Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show, Philip A. Greenberg. Yeah, he's our attorney and legal professional of the year. Based out of New York, New York, he's here to talk more about the work he does, the accolades, the cases he has, but he's a man who uh, has lived an incredible life and clearly has a passion for law and is genuinely a kind, caring family man as well. This is a man you need to hire if you're looking for an attorney in New York City. Philip, tell us what you specialize in. Sure. Uh, first, let me say I'm sorry to hear your phone just switched up, but we, we have a great connection now. Good. So, uh, thank you for everything, Jill. So, um, uh, for the last uh, decades, my specialty has been family-slash-divorce law, matrimonial, euphemistically called matrimonial, even though I don't necessarily put couples together uh, five-time, I'll look. Expound on that, but uh, handling divorces, and uh, but I have been and continue to be an all-round civil litigator, such as uh, commercial disputes, corporate disputes, co-op condo litigations, um, and in my time, Joe, uh, which of course dates dates back to before you were born. Um, in my time, I've done everything from immigration. Um, to definitely personal injury. Um, I even dabbled, uh, I shouldn't say dabbled, but I did some work in what's called intellectual property, patent mm-hmm. copyright. Um, and I still have my hand to some extent in those things, but if one of your callers were to call with, let's say, a immigration issue or a copyright, patent, trademark issue, um, while I can, I'm conversant, um, I would then refer them to uh, uh, a lawyer who specializes in those areas. So, uh, yeah, so, but primarily family, commercial, and, and family, uh, matrimonial, and you know, all aspects of non-criminal. So, that's, there you go. Covered <laughs> a lot of base. And how do we contact you? Tell us the website. Sure. So it's www.philipagreenberg.com. Very important, Philip, is spelled with one L. Um, and uh, my email address is lawman, lawman802at com, And the office phone number is 212-279-4550. And I'm conveniently located, and I do mean conveniently located, at 10 Park Avenue in Manhattan, it's the corner of 34th and Park, two blocks from the Empire State Building, and walking distance to Port Authority, Penn Station, Port Authority, Penn Station, um, the subway is right downstairs, and the 34th Street bus passes right by our corner. Uh, plus, there's... Um, parking garages as close by as across the street so people are able to reach me in any oh and it's also very easy to catch a cab so uh, people have come and gone from my office very easily from just about any any form of transportation you can think of uh, although i will say i've never had a helicopter 
land on the roof of my building. But actually, uh, we have a roof garden in this building, so I think a helicopter actually could land on it. But I don't, I don't necessarily invite potential clients to land on our roof garden. But I think it's possible. Well, we love having you here. How was your Thanksgiving? I got to ask that before we get started today. Did you have a good time? Sure. Uh, well, I have to be careful because it's public. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I just spent a lot of time with my wife's family. Um, so let me just say I had a good time anyway. Um, but, yeah, very nice. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's ever since I was a child, which is like 50 years before you were born, um, <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you that Thanksgiving were are just, and I, don't know, I mean, I, I would expect all your listeners would agree with me, that it, it's just a great family time. I, I, I had such, as a child, I had such wonderful Thanksgivings in the Bronx. I didn't live in the Bronx, by the way. But uh, we would trape up to the Bronx um, for the most magnificent Thanksgiving dinner uh, cooked by my late, beloved, sainted aunt. Um, and, um, you know, Jill, even though you're a lot younger than me, you're in one sense, you're closer to my generation. In that my aunt Seal made everything from scratch, uh, and I mean from scratch, like cheesecake, knishes, uh, um, stuffing. Nothing came out of a can. Nothing came out of a box. Everything was from scratch. Uh, but more importantly, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. I got about 30 garbage bags full of uh, my children's clothes, uh, old clothes that were nice enough to give to a shelter. So we drove to the shelter in the morning, we delivered all the bags, and then I wanted some time alone to organize my house because being a mom that works and has two kids full time, I never have alone time. So I really wanted to be alone on Thanksgiving. And people were like, what? I'm like, yeah. So my my, my, my cousin, um, uh, my kids went to their cousin's house. And then I had two hours to like put away Halloween stuff. And I was in the attic and I thought I was going to work all day. Then my dad calls and says he had a heart attack. But he has a defibrillator pacemaker in and he hasn't had an episode in like five years. So he's fine, you know, kickstarted him. Uh, so I went to go pick him up because he was nervous and shaking. He came to my house and then I lost my alone time. And then the kids decided they wanted to come back home. So could have been better, but I did enjoy some alone time to get things done. <laughs> yeah, well, good for you. It's, it's interesting. My, we also donate clothes every year. The only thing is, is that what, I, what my wife feels is clothes that, I no longer need and should be donated. I feel a clothes that I still want to wear. Um, and, uh, of course, I always lose that argument. So they wind up getting donated. So um, I, I think that some of my favorite clothes wind up uh, going to the Salvation Army. Yeah. I know that's a major place that we go. I don't think that's the only one. But I think the Salvation Army is, is usually the main source of our donations. So good for us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, let's, uh, you know, yeah. of course, welcome you back. And what did you want to talk about for today's show? I can't wait to see what you have on tap. They always got great stories, uh, great client stories, and um, I'm ready to listen. Yeah, 
So actually, uh, uh, I didn't think you'd give me an open-ended thing like that. I would just say this, that without going into too much detail, because um, these cases are really, um, as, as, the, um, as the old cliche goes, the ink is still dry on the settlement. But let's see, today is, by the way, for those of you planning to practice law, you totally lose track of the day. I mean, you're constantly, thank God for calendars. It's like, well, let's see, today, Tuesday, wait, my calendar says Thursday, it must be right. So, um, two days ago, I settled a family court case. Again, I don't want to give any details, but, but I will say this. Um, and, um, of course, I, I don't know your listeners. Um, I know that a lot of people come into family law with preconceived notions about uh, rights of fathers and mothers and whatnot. Um, and this case, to show how long I've been working on it, my client actually reminded me that um, I've been working on this case from the time that his son was a toddler and his son is turning 10 in December. And um, it was six years ago, just around Thanksgiving, and I mean just around Thanksgiving, that I had custody switch from the mother to to my client, the father. And um, the case that we resolved is that he's been receiving child support, but there were um, some loose ends, and, and we were able to, at the 11th hour, resolve it. Um, the support magistrate was very pleased. I think the parties and the attorneys were very glad to finally put it to bed, and hopefully that one is done forever. Um, but and if, I, if I have time, I could just tell you this, Joe. In terms of family slash divorce law, um, sometimes these cases never end, and I'll, I'll explain that after I tell you about the other case. The other case I settled Monday before last, it seems so long ago, Joe, especially even Thanksgiving seems so long ago, and believe it or not, it was a week ago. Uh, but the Monday of Thanksgiving week, I worked on, I settled again at the 11th hour. When I say the, you, you, the expression 11th hour, I think is um, probably cliche at this point, but um, the settlement of this divorce Monday before last, which I've been working on for years, um, the wife, I was representing the husband, the wife signed and had notarized the settlement agreement literally minutes before we clicked on to begin the remote trial at 10 a.m. And it was going to be a trial that was going to run for several days. So it's actually beyond the 11th hour because it was literally minutes before and uh, signed and notarized. My client had signed on the Sunday, late, like Sunday evening. By the way, that's another thing. You know, you think doctors work long hours. Try being a litigator, especially a family litigator. Um, you're always on call. Um, so... That and in, in, in both cases, the court was extremely pleased with the parties and the attorneys for having reached an agreement after years of litigation because there might have been literally years more of litigation. So that's my two most recent cases. But um, and 
kill, just stop me whenever you start to get bored, okay? You um, got it. <laughs> the, uh, I said before that these cases, um, these divorce cases, unfortunately, sometimes never really end. I have been involved in cases where uh, one of them, um, I first got involved in the late 80s, and it continued well past that. The couple was divorced in 1944, and believe it or not, Joe, I was not practicing law in 1944. Um, as a matter of fact, 1944, my parents met, so you know I wasn't practicing law in 1944. Um, and the husband had already passed away. The wife was incredibly old. Uh, the ex-wife was incredibly old. She was the first wife. I was representing the third wife. Um, and uh, we still had to deal with the first wife who was well into her 90s and living in a home. Um, long after, I mean, just to the math, 1944, the husband died in um, 1988. So do the math on that. That's 44 years later. Um, we were still litigating. We wound up years later still litigating with the children from the first marriage, who at that point were not only grown up, but three of the four children of the first marriage were, were grandparents themselves. And then I had another case, uh, a little more, somewhat more recent, also a spinoff on a divorce and a divorce settlement, and both the husband and wife were deceased. They go, wow, you know, isn't the case over now? Well, not really, because the second wife of the husband was still alive, because the children of the, of the first marriage were still alive. And we had years of litigation with her, because there was still a lot of money spoken of, spoken of and the question was, did it belong to the... Um, widowed second wife or did it belong to the children of the first marriage um so you know that gives you an idea um and if you're still not bored yet joe i'll tell you about one other are you okay with that of course <laughs> you never bore me so, <laughs> you're, you're too kind yeah jill you, you're always too kind so um this is the case um uh, and I, I must admit, I don't remember the details, and I'll tell you, you'll understand why. I was not the attorney in the case, but I was a guest commentator uh, several years ago on Court TV. And by the way, Court TV, um, those trials are live. In other words, you and you're a guest commentator. It's not like they taped it and, and you know, edited it and... You're actually commenting as the trial is going on. So you have the trial, you're watching the trial. Uh, this case was in um, California, if I, my, my recollection is correct. And I was a guest commentator for Court TV. And um, it was only during, um, I guess, the equivalent of commercial breaks or breaks in the trial that they went to the main commentator and me as the guest commentator to comment about what was going on and also what we thought would be coming up. And that case had to do with the a, a litigation between the first and third wife.
life of the lead singer of Grateful Dead, oh, Jerry Garcia. Yeah, Jerry Garcia. You heard of him, right? right you? Grateful Dead. Ah, yeah. thank you, thank you. Yeah. I'm not a Grateful Dead fan, so I'm, I'm sorry I'm not. <laughs> no, I wasn't either. I wasn't a deadhead. No, a deadhead. No, but Jerry Garcia, well, actually, if you go into uh, departments and look at ties, and I realize, you, you know, you'd only be looking at ties maybe to buy it for a boyfriend, you'll see Jerry Garcia um, today. So, uh, anyway, Jerry Garcia was the lead the Grateful Dead, and uh, the lawsuit, the litigation was between the first wife and the widowed third wife, um, you know, over, and you can imagine with copyrights and ongoing since, you know, in, in fact, that was when I just told you in 2023, they still have Jerry Garcia ties that you can buy in, uh, in the pond like Macy's. And so you could imagine they're using his name, you know, years and years and years after he passed away, royalties coming to the estate. So the first wife was still grouping it out, even though the husband involved was deceased. So um, they were also just kind of point that, you know, you think, you know, it, a lot of people look at divorce to say this is real finality. You know, you sign, you know, whatever, you met, you dated, you got married, you had children. And at some point, um, I'm not a marriage counselor, so I won't go into the reasons. But at some point, you know, you got divorced and you say, well, there's a real finality of this. But ask any divorce lawyer, they'll tell you there's, unfortunately, often there is not fine. Often the parties continue to litigate against them. In fact, there were some judges who only post divorce. Now I just gave you three examples where one or both of the divorced uh, couple were deceased through ongoing litigation. So um, I guess some of this will get in favor of live long enough to retire and start writing the books about my own experiences. So that's Ask me the open-handed question. That was my current and also consistent with that. Um, one of the times that I was a guest, co- a guest commentator on Court TV for a live ongoing trial. And, and all of those trials, by the way, that I was a guest commentator were just out there, Jill. I mean, you could, you could really do a show. I, I Just one last one. There was one in Florida that I was a guest commentator uh, years ago. This kid, this kid was, uh, he was the plaintiff. And it was a little kid, little kid like the age of your children. Um, and the, the subject of the case is he wanted to divorce from his parents. And he was like eight, nine, ten years old, divorced himself from his parents. And, um, it was pretty obvious in a way. And the court was only that this eight, nine, ten year old kid could divorce his parents. Um, so that's the kind of cases that have been a guest commentator on court TV, cases that you really couldn't even dream up what they have been. 
and they were important and nothing enough that um, they were shown to, you know, to audience. Well, Philip, I just have to remind everyone how we can contact you and, you know, the, the sure. drill. Quick commercial break. Yes, <laughs> Sorry about that. Sure. Tell us again all the ways we can reach you, please. Sure. Um, so my website is www.philipagreenbook.com. My email address, laman, L-A-W-M-A-N-802 at AOL.com. My office phone number is 212-279-50, and I'm conveniently located at 10 Park Avenue in Manhattan. And I would totally love to hear from your listeners about this, and also if there's um, any legal matter that I can be of assistance, it would be my pleasure. All right, quickest break ever because we talk so much. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What if you could spend less time on sales calls and make more money? Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Beautiful. All right. That was the quickest break ever. <laughs> Welcome back. All right. What's going on? Uh, not much happening, Lackett. I must tell you, Joe. Even though they say things uh, happen quickly, it didn't happen that quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you sound surprised. Anyway, uh, so how much do we have? I'll, I'll throw in one or two more. We got uh, it. We got six minutes. Go for it. Okay. So um, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm kind of, um, I, you know, I just told you about the kid who um, divorced his parents, and um, there was another case commentator on court TV. Um, not that I don't have enough interest of my own, but these just jumped into my head. And this one, it was quite a few years ago. I really don't, maybe, maybe, maybe it would be a, le- a little less surprising. But um, it was a couple getting divorced. Nothing new about that. And there was an issue of custody. I think they had one child. No, no, you know, nothing surprising about it. But the twist on that, remember, I'm guest commentator. I'm not representing anybody. Um, the twist on that is that the husband be a woman. He was a transsexual. So, um, of course, he could not, uh, even though he became a man, she became a boy, I'm in trouble. They did um, and married a woman. Um, that of course he couldn't father a child, especially in the old days uh, when men became women, they didn't have this necessary uh, at all. Uh, but his uh, um, donated the sperm, and so the child was with him uh, genetically in that it had his brothers, and of course was carried by his wife. And um, even there, um, and maybe this is a little bit more from perspective, um, but you had a man who, uh, as I say, could not perform, um, and I understand that things are, are, are gradually, but could not perform sexually uh, as, as a man. 
And yet his wife, who he was getting divorced from, was rather attractive. And, and when he was um, dumpy and balding and whatever. And why was the marriage breaking up? Because he was having an affair with his wife's best friend, who also was a rather attractive woman and uh, came out, was in the trial, so everyone could see the wife and the girls former best friend, who was now the mistress, and here's a guy who, uh, let us say, could not, he didn't have him to perform, and yet here he was getting, he was the one who initiated with his rather attractive wife, he could be with her rather attractive best friend. Um, so, as I say, fast forward, maybe it's a little less shush twenty twenty three than years ago. commenting on what's going on and also what we anticipate. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. Sometimes what I, you know, when the main commentator asks me, well, okay, Mr. Greenberg, what would you do at this point? And I would this is what I think, you know, the lawyer should do for this side or that side. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes when we went back to the live trial, they actually did what in the, um, you know, in the segue, but they should do, and that's what I would do. So, um, yeah, it's a fascinating area of law. I'll tell you, Jill, it is not surprising, in my opinion. The TV shows um, mainly have, when they do, um, either true cases, live cases, or dramas about cases. It's either criminal law or matrimonial slash family law, because those two areas um, everyone can identify with, even if they've uh, ever had experience with the criminal justice system and enough never to have had um, experience with the um, family matrimonial system because even if they have you no know, people, they've had relatives who have had those experiences and, the, you know, the facts are just amazing because it's really, both in the criminal law and matrimonial law, you're really kind of stripping away the proverbial sugar-coating of people and you're, you're seeing them, you know, for really what they really are. And I think people are wonderful sometimes when you just strip away the shoe sometimes. Uh, what you see is not as good. But um, anyway, so that's, that's my thought on something that I've resolved as recently as um, in the last 10 days. And so... Um, cases that commentator and um, in the future, Jill, I'll tell you um, some of my experiences as a guest attorney on the month show. And uh, I'll also, of course, harken back to my own shoe. So that's my spiel, Jill. Oh, you're still with me, Jill. 
Yes, I said I love the spiel. I love it. I love it. And I love that we can just sit here and talk. And we're over time, but whatever. It happens. And I always appreciate you and speaking with you. So. The pleasure, as always, the pleasure. Well, thank you. One more time, tell us how we could reach you. Sure. Outside www.philipagreenberg.com. Email address lawman2 at aol.com. Office phone number 212-279-4550 and located conveniently at 10 Park Avenue, 34th and Park in Manhattan. And since I'm two blocks from the Empire State Building, if you have some time to do some stuff, you can both visit me as your attorney and then walk over the Empire State Building. And especially on a beautiful day like today, go up to the observatory and, and see New York City is, is considered one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Well, I'm kind of, I took the kids to the Radio City uh, Music Hall show. We saw the Rockettes, what, a week ago, which is great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good oh for you. Well, been there. Yeah, yeah. Oh they've, been a, they've been around longer than us, but I, I think I could say for you and I assume it was different dancers. But, uh, yeah, great, great show. Okay. Well, thank you again, and looking forward to seeing well, thank you, you, okay? All right, the All best right. to you and you. Thanks Bill, again. Thank you. We appreciate your time here. As always, Philip As always. Greenberg, amazing. <laughs> Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.